0: How are we doing, folks? It's Fitter Food Radio, and this is episode number 62. Um, Of course, my wingman, Keris Marsden, is here. Wingwoman. (laughs) Wingwoman. How are you doing? Fine,
1: thanks. Uh, We have this
0: conversation every time. (laughs) I know exactly how she is. We we woke up together this morning. (laughs) We had this conversation. Did you have a nice sleep? (laughs) No, did you. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we've got a fantastic guest on the show today, as always. Um, Her name is Laura Thomas. Um, some of you may know who she is. Many of you probably don't. Laura is, she's big on sugar, should we say. Um, or and
1: used to, to be. be. She's not anymore.
0: Well, she, she's, she's big <laughs> on sugar in a very different way now to what she probably once was. yeah. And uh, sugar's a big area that we often speak about because a lot of people are addicted to the stuff. Um, Myself and Keris once were too. I probably still have a little (laughs) bit more than I like to admit. I was going to add that. (laughs) But um, yeah, uh, Laura's actually got a fantastic website. Um, which is dedicated to helping people, I suppose, gain control over sugar consumption, because it's not that, as, the, as though we, we can't ever eat sugar. Sugar is present in many things, especially around Christmas. <laughs> um, however, yeah. it is important you are in control of it, and that's exactly what Laura set out to do. Uh, so I'm going to hand over to you now, Laura. Uh, first of all, hello, and thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Hi. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure.
0: And you're calling all the way from Bali.
2: I am, yeah. So I'm falling away from Bali. So I know it's uh, a bit colder in the UK at the moment. Yeah, rub it in. Love. It's very, rub it like
0: in. humid
1: here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so why don't you just, uh, if you just tell our listeners um, a little bit more about yourself, what you do, your website, and kind of like you know just why you uh, started this whole project?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I founded obviously my website and my business called Happy Sugar Habits, and um, it's been quite an interesting journey. I mean, I started out really because I. Was eating a lot of sugar, and I, I couldn't understand how people um, at the time didn't know that there were kind of 16 grams of sugar. Like, well, my friends didn't know there were 16 grams of sugar in a kind of Muller light yogurt kind of thing. And so I started just writing a blog and um, sharing information about where sugar was hidden and various things, and started the process of kind of cutting down and changing my relationship with sugar. Um, And then over the years, I, you know, then I kind of trained as a coach and trained as a health coach, started working with people, got quite in depth working with people and started to really understand what was going on this on with sugar and people's relationships with sugar. And really now what I do is I really help people yo-yo dieting on sugar. So um, for me, the goal isn't to help people obviously like quit sugar forever, doesn't feel like practical. So it's really about helping um, find a sense of kind of trust and fearlessness place with sugar, you know, where they just feel like they're control or they're in charge of it Um, and they're able to go to a wedding and have a bit of dessert if they want to, you know, or they're on holiday have the nice thing that they'd never be able to try otherwise, you know, and just feel a lot more, I guess, empowered around sugar. So um, my website really helps people to, to do that and you know I've got a few recipes and everything on there but actually probably more of what I do is the psychological stuff so I you know I love writing about things like sugar shame and how we feel around sugar and um, how the mindset and the ways of thinking about things can drive different types of behaviours um, and so I've developed like different approaches and different things that I do with clients to kind of help work around all of that it just totally fascinates fascinates me I'm completely obsessed with people's relationships with sugar because it's just so interesting. Now I'm
1: into it. And is that where your journey sort of went? So you were obviously really interested in in where sugar is hidden in foods and wanted to educate people about that. But um, I had a quick look at your website and you were talking about then you almost became obsessed with having a, a zero sugar lifestyle and, you know, sort of demonized sugar. Um, and you said yeah. sort of tended towards orthorexia a little bit. Is that so? Is that sort of what you coach people through as well? Do you see that pattern quite frequently?
2: Absolutely. So um, I see it very, very frequently, even more so now that sugar's getting even more press and people are becoming more aware and more educated. Um, they're starting to learn earn this and then starting to use that knowledge as um, kind of like against them in a way. So I definitely know that I started to feel like, okay, I'm running this sugar blog, I've got to be completely sugar-free, otherwise I'm not living true to it and put an awful lot of pressure on myself, on which, you know, it's, it's quite unrealistic to be so totalitarian in, in an approach or a way of eating um, all the time. And what happens then is you naturally just rebel against it, and then I started really overeating on things and rebelling and suffering, like, guilt, or I was feeling like, Really paranoid about, you know, if I was going to eat sugar in some salad dressing at someone's house or something, you know? So I just went through all these different phases with it that I'm really pleased I've been through because, yeah, I go through like a bit of a verge of orthorexia. Like, obviously, there's a bit of binge eating in there where I so, wouldn't be able to like control my portions around. Even if it was like some sugar free dessert made with dates or something, I was still struggling to kind of really control over the portion sizes and things um and so kind of working through all of that stuff bringing in more mindful and more intuitive eating more recently into my own personal journey has now kind of helped me see the whole spectrum of it um and um i feel like it's a really nice place to get people to where they're just feeling very comfortable and at ease with sugar in you know being around they're not like scared of it
0: yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that nowadays there's so much um, scaremongering going on. You know, it's like yeah. one minute sugar's the enemy, next minute saturated fat's the enemy, then it's carbs generally are the enemy. <laughs> then, and it, it's, then it's
1: sitting down. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's,
0: it's constantly yeah. planting this seed, like yeah. you say, of, you know of, of guilt and and we see it a hell of a lot i mean our inbox goes absolutely crazy when the next kind of uh you know like when the who come out with i mean it was them that came out with the whole uh, bacon causes cancer yeah, and our inbox just cancer. went <clears throat> absolutely crazy because of course we're constantly posting pictures of bacon and whatever <laughs> on the Fitter food page as part of a you oh know a God, high yeah. high yeah. high fat high protein breakfast um
1: well i i really um find interesting though is is what you've done is, is get people to, um, you know, address sugar addiction. But then equally, uh, and we have seen this, some people go completely, um, you know, zero sugar in our groups. And then when we talk about, um, they ask us, what, what what can they do when they go to friends' houses for meals and things? And we say, well, it's just, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, just have, have a bit of whatever they serve. And they say, oh, oh no, no, I couldn't, I couldn't, because that will lead to a binge, you know. So there is as you said, there's still that fear in the background that just a slight taste of sugar is going to set them back and send them right into old habits. So how did you yeah. um, sort of start to break down that relationship that you had? So look at what was driving the binge eating perhaps or, or you know, sort of outside of just your relationship with food.
2: Yeah. So obviously with, with sugar, because obviously the fructose in sugar is is that sweet tasting part that we do seek more of. And people can really have a, people, there's a scale of a preference, you know, in terms of like having a sweet tooth. So you've got the person that is eating more sweetness in their diet is obviously going to want more, is obviously going to crave a little bit more. And the person who's really eating a low sugar diet, their palate, you know, or they've been eating quite low sugar diet for a while, or they just naturally don't eat that many sweet things, um, you know, don't crave that sugar as much. So what I seek to do is try to bring people down on that. at scale first. So try to reduce their palate to sweet um, over time. But what you kind of need to do when you're doing doing that is be very mindful of your history around food and your diet any diet mentality so if someone's got a history of going on and off diets or being very all or nothing you know yes. then it's quite dangerous to then go on like a sugar-free diet because what happens is they come off and they get that fear and then you know they've been so good for how many weeks and then they come off and then when they go off they royally go off the rails um, because sugar is very easy to do that with um, so depending on someone's know, like dietary history that then determines that approach for reducing that that palate down once you've then kind of reduced your palate down to fructose and you're not seeking fructose as much then it's much easier then then you can start to kind of relearn the more intuitive eating and then go to a dinner party and be like well you know I don't fancy two helpings of the dessert because actually my body now needs less sugar and I can kind of trust myself that you know half a portion is going to be enough and I'll be happy with that you know and then that's a really nice place to be where you're fully trusting your own body to tell you what too much sugar rather than the rules in your
0: head kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, we we completely agree. I mean, you know, you you mentioned this a few times um, already about kind of just being in control. And for us, that's kind of our main objective with anyone we work with, you know, just kind of gaining control over their eating habits, exercise, uh, etc. So fully on board with you there. And you mentioned um, kind of like tapping into the mindset of people's attitude, you know, towards towards sugar so where do you stand with the whole because you know I'm sure that you kind of like to dig a little bit deeper when you're working with your clients with regards to why they've probably got the relationship that they have with sugar in the first place like would you look right back to say like when they're a kid and you know maybe their parents kind of use sugary treats and sweets to keep them quiet to shut them up or as a reward for doing something good um how do you kind of tap into that and 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 potentially change something that's probably been ingrained in them for such a long time
2: yeah yeah so absolutely so it is really helpful to go back and look at anything like that that is referenced um obviously i'm mindful of like just blaming our parents i mean my mum was you know, it's like, you know we got frosty's generation <laughs> frosty's generation um but um to go back and start seeing where the kind of real habits and rituals so one of the classic ones is eating sweet after a meal you know yeah. it's just like what so many of us want to do and it's so instinctive it's so so uh, common and that often comes from you know generation with grandmas or whatever where they Had desserts Um, again the reward so it's really understanding and prioritizing the triggers the the biggest triggers so if someone is 80% of the time at the moment eating the sugary stuff for emotional reasons then it's like okay let's look at that first as the priority, and if there's a few other little habits, there are lesser priority. It's kind of seeing where the big hitters are at first, where that most kind of high fructose consumption is going on. Some of the triggers might just be environmental, they might just be social situations or work. And then obviously there's different strategies that apply to those that you can kind of put in place. Um, but yeah in terms of changing the beliefs that's where I guess the coaching comes in I just ask interesting questions to make people think a bit differently or consider different angles um, both around the way they they use sugar in their life you know the way they sugar is present in their life but also maybe the way that they've uh, you know responded to health advice or diets or that kind of thing as well and their relationship with being healthy or dieting as well and try to get people to think a bit differently so um, going Back and looking at that is definitely a good start. Also, you know, it's good to look back at when you've not, you you know, when those times in your life where you've not even thought about sugar or food or anything, you know, you've been so busy with something else that you know it's not been in your head and what's been going on there. So that's that can be quite an interesting site people as well.
1: What sort of um, uh, tips, sort of practical tips do you give people initially then? So say if it's more of a, I just always had sweet things after dinner, um, what sort of uh, things could people do after dinner to stop themselves, well basically to break that habit?
2: Yeah, so first of all, I like to say can we start substituting with something that's just lower fructose? So just less sweet, because what that will do is just start it's still a habit and it's still, you know, eating food, something after the meal for satisfaction Okay, it's not completely necessary calories, but it's that habit. So the best thing to do first is just to try and reduce the fructose. So going from having like a chocolate bar to then, you know, it can be a progressive step for some for, for each person. So if they having a full dairy milk chocolate bar, then trying to dark chocolate as the next step, or you know, so you know, uh, berries or something that, will, that are lower sugar or moving towards if you really want to step down then if you can handle like some a handful of cashew nuts which are kind of naturally sweet some people are like no they're not laura they're not <laughs> <laughs> i'm like they can be they can be um yesterday was like no they're sweet Um, or like coconut flakes you know something that's still got that sweet edge but it's quite low fructose that's not going to drive those fructose cravings so that's substitution first you know and then once you kind of keep working down and then you see once people then start to believe like if they've changed from having like a Dairy milk chocolate bar to like a square of dark chocolate, they're like, hang on, that, and they, you know, it's been a month and they've changed that, then they've got belief that they can change those habits. And then that's very powerful. When someone starts to psychologically really believe that they can, they have the power in them to change their habits, which every, body does it's just you just can't change like 10 at the same time you just need to focus so sometimes i just set a client it's like your one habit the next two weeks is that after lunch and you just have to do you know dairy milk to dark chocolate that's all you need to focus on you know and when they then they get the belief and then they can then apply that belief you know to changing other habits and they can move the chocolate to a peppermint tea over time or whatever it can be progressive um but it's generating that real belief in themselves that they can change the habits you know themselves and that they build in that confidence and then you can just change as many as you want like gradually over time, or little ones wherever, um, until they become like effortless and natural, and you're not even thinking about
1: them. And then um, this is, I mean, brilliant stuff, and it is exactly what we sort of talk people through. But then there'll always be, um, generally, something goes wrong in someone's life, and you've, you've touched on this before. So there'll be some sort of emotional situation, maybe, or just increased level of stress, or even boredom, which is another massive trigger that we often see with clients, and they revert back to old habits. Um, what do you sort of do? When? How do you sort of help people through those situations? And almost predict um, that you're going to go back to the dairy milk or whatever it was that you really, really, you know, the the sweetest food you could possibly think of. Have you got sort of things, uh, bits of advice or practical steps that you give people?
2: Yeah, so one thing I think that everybody, especially if they're conscious obviously about the sugar that they're eating in their diet, is that they instantly think like it's really bad to be eating some things. You know, so to try and let go of that notion of like eating something is really bad. You know, if it's you, you can eat the odd sugary thing and you, but your body can cope. You know, so really be practicing like kind of forgiveness and perspective for some people because you know obviously if you're like eating super super healthy and then you have one thing and you think oh my goodness that's it and then that's when the the temptation to eat more of it can happen or for a couple of days to just let it all go so I do really try and encourage people to put things in perspective and to practice forgiveness because we all might slip it you know back or eat something or whatever you know no one's perfect in that sense um and um so i do i do that and then the next thing is like obviously to like really look at the triggers so i categorize triggers into three things you know like environmental triggers emotional triggers and physical triggers and usually going back to something or having a blip like this it's usually a combination of a few you know so if it, it might might be emotion it might be boredom it might be that also that you're seeing something around or someone offers you something and you might be a bit hormonal or something you know so these things happen and just being really in tune to what try to really identify with what those triggers are and then what they're maybe telling you and then maybe just learn from it and be like okay those so for me here in Bali there's these chocolate cashew nuts like, mm. I know that if I buy a packet of them, I will eat the whole packet. Like, I just know. They're just they just really nice. And in a way, I'm just like, okay, I accept that. I'm not going to buy the packet and expect to eat three of them. I know that I'm probably going to eat packets. So maybe I'll just buy them once a month, if you know what I mean, and then be okay with it. Yeah. You know, if you know it's a trigger food, then just accept that, you know, you might not have as much control as you want and that it's just that way. Um, so yeah, it kind of quite depends on the situation. It's quite hard question for me to answer because there's so many obviously different situations and different triggers, but if you can, you know, like with a distraction trigger, you know, it's really good. The, with all the emotional triggers, it's really, you're eating sugar when you're through an emotion- trigger is a really good sign and helpful hint that you need to do something different in your life in a way or like address something else that's going on so in a way it's a a massive clue so if you're eating sugar and you're bored it's like well actually am I taking enough breaks or am I I just not engaged with my work at the moment or do I need to uh you know do something or or call a friend up, or you know, build something more into. So just you know, forgive yourself, and then use it as a clue for how you kind of manage your emotion.
0: See, I, I think that's a, a really good point, actually, because um, we often say this when we, when we work with like uh, our online clients, our online groups and a big thing that comes up every single time without fail is people boredom eating at work oh when i'm at work and i'm yeah. bored and the the treats come out or there's a vending machine down the corridor and you know i'm just kind of like mindlessly eating chocolate and sweets and cake and whatever and exactly what you said well like, okay so clearly you, you, you've you got too much time on your hands because you're at work. You should be working. But, of course, most people don't want to take on extra work. But then, equally, we then start getting people to actually accept, uh, assess their work life. Are they... F- completely happy in their job are they just coasting um is it a sign that they do probably need to maybe uh, ask a little bit more of themselves try a little bit harder in the office take on more tasks tell their boss that they're done and they've got too much free time throughout the day they want to do more they want to take on great responsibility um of which i mean some people are a bit like yeah leave it out that you know i'm i'm, I'm quite happy uh, having my cushy 3 hour a day job and putting my feet up for the other five yeah. but
1: you know a careers coach but, but other
0: people actually think well hold on actually that's that's a great that's a great shout i i do feel quite unchallenged at work i do feel quite bored i do feel that um I'm not working to the best of my abilities, and actually, I mean, it looks good on someone if they then go to their boss and just say, "Look, you know, my, my workload's too small. I need to take on a little bit more. Where can I help out?" And I know this is might sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but from a career's perspective, you know, to be able to to improve uh, to, to advance at work and to get that job satisfaction, maybe get a little bit more appreciation from your boss you know, naturally will make you feel happier, make you feel a bit better about yourself and will probably mean you'll crave sugar less. You'll have less time to think about treats and sweets and cakes, etc. Be- yeah, yeah. Because in our experience, and, yeah. and, 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 and I'm talking from personal experience here as well, if I'm feeling a bit low and stressed... I want sugary, sweet, processed things. (laughs) And and clients are exactly the same. In moments of stress or, um, you know, if their emotions are all over the place for whatever reason, you know, they tend to crave sugar, alcohol, things that they probably shouldn't have. Um, And we understand it because, you know, we've been there ourselves. Like when we were meeting the deadline with our book, crikey, I mean, it was quite ironic that we were writing a book about nutrition and I was probably eating more ice cream than I ever have (laughs) in a long time. (laughs) Um, but it just kind of shows you kind of how how the body works and and like you said how you kind of crave those things in moments of like boredom and and, and stress what I was going to ask you was with a lot of clients as well like say someone's uh, finished a long day at work they get home relatively late and I hear this quite a lot when I ask them why do you have um, a couple of glasses of wine when you get home why do you have you know, a Burger King before you jump on the train? Like, what's the psyche behind it? And a lot of them will turn around and say, either I don't have time to cook and it's been a long day, you know, so time's always a big one. But the other one is, is, they turn around and say, I deserve it. Because they've worked hard that day, they've kind of like really pushed the boat out and gone to town with their tasks and met their deadline and they, they say, I deserve it. I try to get them to say, well, okay, well, I'm not saying you don't deserve it. You know, you, everyone kind of like deserves a bit of a reward for working hard. How do you get people to distract their focus to what they see as the reward? So rather than the wine or the Burger King or the chocolate bar being the reward, how do you get them to go, well, actually, I'd rather have really good energy levels I'd rather be able to fit into that dress or that suit that I've not worn for years uh, because I've got too much body fat that would actually be a far greater reward than the wine and the cake after a long day at work and, and I know when I'm saying it, it sounds like yeah. the, the, the the simple thing to do, but of course, of course, it's not that simple. So, how, how would you get someone to say, "Well, actually, this is no longer your reward for working hard. This should be your reward."
2: Yeah, yeah. So, really, really good question. So, um, obviously, you know, the fitting into the dress or the suit—that's not the immediate reward. You know, that's not a reward in the day. You know, they've had a hard yeah. day; they just want an instant reward. So, it's kind of like you need to build up a menu of different rewards. Now, sometimes, you know. We all might use a little bit of sugar or our favorite food or a bit of wine for a reward, but you know you need to look at like you need to make sure you've got a menu of rewards in a way, so you've got a lot of different options and only if you know there's a small fraction of them that are really like food and drink, and that you've got other things, and this is different for every person, so for a woman, it might be like. Treating yourself off often sitting with your favorite book for an hour or going on a random YouTube channel and watching really silly videos, just letting yourself off for the evening. You know, giving people, giving yourself a bit of time is usually, we don't do it in our busy society, feel bad about it, but that's a really nice award, you know, can you give yourself a bit of time? Can you book, can you go and buy yourself a little pair of earrings or a magazine or, you know, developing other things that make you feel feel good and that make you feel like, yeah, do you know what, I deserve this. I think actually time off is one of the best ones, you know, because we're always expecting us to be working or doing something, you know, actually just being a bit kinder to yourself. So it's kind of building up a, you know, I know the word is a bit overused, like self-care, but building up a real menu of things that you really like and that feel like a bit of a treat that aren't totally food and drink so that, you know, you're not using food and drink all the time. Still use them occasionally, and probably, you know, occasionally people do, but you've got a whole menu of awards there to pick from.
0: So more like experiences?
2: Mini experiences, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, I know I'm in in Bali and it's very cheap to get, like, massages and, um, you know, pedicures and whatever, but they're, like, classic ones for people just like you know if you do want to just sit and watch TV for half an hour or something you know and not feel guilty about it you know just let yourself do what you kind of really want to do that feels like a bit of a treat and it's hard for mums and people I know who are really busy but it's it's really important you know to build in that that time for you and and find some things that you really like might be like making jewelry or you know whatever it's good for people to have a real think about their kind of menu of rewards.
1: I think it's a a, that's a a great bit of advice and it's something that I know maybe because we work for ourselves so you know we work quite hard and we work late hours uh, at night and I've noticed that the more I've said I'm not going to work this evening the less I've actually wanted or craved anything Um, and part of my um, sort of well it'll probably start next year when we get Christmas out (laughs) the way but um, what I want to start doing is I'm terrible for leaving sort of the very last hour of the day um, to be my hour to myself so it could be like eight till nine or nine until 10 um, and by that time I've already end up having probably some dark chocolate and some coffee and, and all those things that get you through because it's almost like a you know I, I just I just need to make it through to that last hour where I can relax and unwind and actually for me just saying in the afternoon I'm gonna take an hour here and like you've said go and just read a magazine go and have an hour to myself go and sit in a coffee shop and look out a window which is something that we just don't do we just don't sit still and just relax yeah. and and just do nothing for just an hour in the day or like you said taking breaks. Um, Another factor for me is I'll get bored and I'll get overwhelmed with my workload and I'll go, well, do you know what, like a a big latte or something would just really see me through this. So I'll turn to that just that, you know, just use it to drive me through to to the end of this project or whatever. So actually, the taking breaks is a fantastic bit of advice. And and like you said, and I work with a lot of mums who I see don't sit down until 9, 10 o'clock. And I've been saying to them, well, if you would just sort of, you know, take some breaks in the afternoon and and have a little bit of time to dinner put your feet up Um, maybe if you were chilling out with heat magazine at that time you wouldn't need a big bar of chocolate to get you through you know the evening where you've got to go and clean up and do the washing up and whatever
0: because I mean Do you not think that nowadays that, like, guilt is such a huge factor in in that people feel guilty for eating sugar, guilty for having a bit of cake, guilty because they didn't go to the gym, guilty for having a bit of time off? and Guilty
1: for being a bad mum. Yeah, (laughs) and it's like, where did this
0: come from? Like, where? why all of a sudden are people just expected to be absolute workhorses who train every day, work really long hours, don't have any time off, don't spend any quality time with your family, you know, and it's it's it drives us a bit mad a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're all kind of guilty, I'm sure, of probably Guilty of being guilty. Guilty of being guilty. of being guilty. But we're just like, where, where does it stop, damn it? Like, you know, how do you get people to just yeah. step back and say, like, you deserve to have a little bit of a break and you know what? You deserve to have a bit of cake. Why not? Like, you know, yeah. and, and strike that balance of kind of doing stuff for them themselves without feeling bad about it
2: yeah and that's really that's a really good skill when you can kind of let yourself off eating a bit of sugar and really just being completely okay with it that's quite that's a that's a big turning point for some people as well um, when you can go, you'd know, be really conscious and be like, okay, I'm not hungry right now. I, I know I'm coming home. I know I may be using this as an award, but you know what? I'm human, and it happens occasionally, and it's okay. And just being completely fine with it in that moment, and being conscious of it, being conscious that you're not hungry for it, you're emotionally you know, using it, but then just being like, okay, that, that's it. I move on and I'm just going to not make it a regular habit. So it's when you start recognizing something becoming a habit, like I always say, if something's a bit one-off, it's a lot better, you know? So if you go to some event and you have a sticky choppy pudding, but you literally haven't had one for two months and it's a one-off, that's much better than on a day-to-day basis, you know, having that regular glass of wine or having that regular, um, uh, you know, for lunch chocolate bar every night, which is establishing as a habit.
1: It's almost, you know, a, it's a dependency if it's, if yeah. it's on a, a regular basis as well, I suppose.
2: If you can make things kind of random, it's much better, you know? So just make them a bit more random um, and not build any kind of routines. And if they do start becoming, if you do start noticing, like, a habit or a routine developing, then just quick like, break it for a few days, you know? Switch it up and then make it a bit random again. And when it is random, don't don't beat yourself up about it because just just let it go, but... Yeah, try and recognise those habits more than anything. I mean, I still can notice myself getting a bit back into a habit. You know, I love my eighty-five percent dark chocolate, so I just have to watch it. You know, if I'm like, okay, I've bought that quite a few times now, is that a becoming a habit? What well, can I break it up a bit? And you know, for a week, and I like do something different, and then usually I stop it from becoming a habit again.
1: That's exactly what I do, actually. <laughs> I go through phases of going, well, it is 85 and I'm fine. But then I start to notice I'm going, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have some t- chocolate tonight. And I'm almost like you said, it's, it's becoming a daily habit. So and then just part of me always knows no, I need it to. It is a daily habit. It is. It is. No, well, I, didn't have any, I didn't have any yesterday. Oh, well
0: done. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> no, but I, like you said, I, I'll break it for a few days. Because also what I notice is I lose appreciation for it. And then I start to need more to get the same satisfaction from eating it and that's when it's like two squares isn't enough so it's four squares then oh it's the weekend I'll have six squares and then suddenly I'm like whoa this is out of hand so I'll break it and then suddenly two squares is amazing again and uh, I recently yeah. had a few few days actually where I haven't had any and I've just bought some I've got some 92% which is amazing Viva, I think it's Vivani is the brand and I got it just two squares is amazing Absolutely, really I like, good, yes actually. I've got the appreciation back yeah.
2: <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, and I think what's really important as well to anyone listening to this that is pretty healthy and is, like, similar to us, you know, where it's, like, a bit of dark chocolate here and there is to, you know, do this process but in a really kind way of talking to yourself. So just be like, you know what, I'm super healthy, like, compared to, like, most people, you know, out there, you know, and I've got the knowledge and I use it well. I'm just being a bit mindful of, like, where my habits are developing and gently kind of navigating through them, you know? And it's totally okay if I've you know, maybe have developed a bit of a habit and I just recognize it and then I change it. And just really getting into that habit of nicely to ourselves about it, like you're saying, like not putting the guilt on. Do you
1: find, um, Laura, do you find that then just talking about this where you're Speaking to people about self care and about being kinder to yourself, that in a way your role is becoming more like a combination of a life coach, psychotherapist, or sort of counselling almost. Because, um, like you've said, if pe- people have to address the triggers and drivers of comfort eating and, and uh, addictions and cravings, rather than just trying to use willpower, which is just going to be limited, and therefore at some point you're going to break and and you know obviously you end up eating those foods. So, is that a role that you find that you adopt with people often?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does end up uh, kind of like deeper work with the emotional and the habits. And sometimes it even gets down to the point where some of the recommendations I'm setting are nothing to do with what they're eating. It's to do with like sleep routine or time management or something else, you know, that will have then an indirect uh, effect on their routine and therefore their kind of cravings in another way. So it's very, very much the case. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, Laura? I I've, I've got to ask you because you are in yeah. Bali and I'm incredibly jealous. Yeah. Um I just I just want to know like what took you to Bali? What what how different is your life now you're no longer in London?
1: It was the chocolate cashews I think that's why she went. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, these chocolate cashew nuts. Um
2: for me, it was a big thing on community, so I, I went through, I noticed I was working at home, um, and I was quite isolated, you know, I was working in London, I had friends and things, but I was finding the way I was working was isolating and you know, I found myself stood in the kitchen with a one kilogram thing of almond butter, you know? And I was like, this is not good, you know? what What's going on here? And in a way, I really was like, Laura, like, you teach this, come on, you know, like, don't feel guilty about it, it's fine, you know, because there's, there's part of you that could go, like, oh my God, I teach people to do this, and why am I doing this? You know, I could go down that awful negative spiral, but it's like, no, 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 you know, what is this clue? Like, what's telling you? And at the same time, a few things happened where people were saying, oh, I'm moving to Bali and a couple of friends, and I just thought, I saw this, they had an office out here, and people were living and kind of working out here and I just thought why don't I just go and try it for like a month and so that was it I tried it for a month ended up here for like three months went home realized that I really liked it here came back for two months and then made the kind of more permanent move back in uh, a couple of months ago so um you know just followed very like kind of followed my intuition but it was that moment in a way that almond butter moment that told me to make this move so you know these things can tell you something that can really help you change your life for the better in a way for their clues Um, and you know being here now I'm in such a good environment with people and uh, I you know, I'm so engaged all the time. You know, my the eating, that's completely gone. You know, the emotional eating has reduced dramatically. I've still got habits in me because I've still, I've been a strong emotional eater in my past. So it's still there a little bit, but I'm a much more conscious of it. and It's manageable now and I know that I'm eating like 90% healthy. So um, that environment really, really helped me moving to Bali you know and I'm lucky that I've got a location independent business which means I can Skype and I can write and I can do my work with clients from anywhere at
0: the moment that's phenomenal
1: that's phenomenal should we go just (laughs) unusual
0: Hamish will love it then but it is
1: it is really important because I do think um, when I I worked in an office for years and I used to say to to Matt I'd literally go out on regular breaks just to go and find something to make the whole situation bearable Um, and actually jumping out of that and as scary as being self-employed and sort of launching your own business is i would never go back to what i was doing before and that monotony that was worse for me so um i think what you've done is awesome and really inspirational to most people just just take the risk and, and take the plunge
0: taking action yeah. i love it um because i was going to say actually i mean whenever we're on holiday um and i know you're not on holiday per se um, <laughs> but you are in bali so because um, whenever we've like gone away for you know But when we went to Portugal last year for quite a long stretch, we were working, but we were in Portugal. So there's far, far worse places to be working for sure. Um, And I find that because... When you're in that environment and you just feel less stressed, your quality of sleep improves. Um, you, you get outdoors more, sunlight exposure, the mm. sea, you know, all these like feel good things. Yeah. First of all, you tend not to straight away, like you said, like your, your cravings and things like that. You don't seek mm. comfort anymore because you've mm. kind of got so much positivity going on in your day. But equally, yeah. I, I've always said that sleep is the mac daddy of health and fat loss. And I actually find that even when I do start having more treats when I'm on holiday, which is normally in the form of ice cream, um, I feel that it doesn't impact me in the same way as when I have treats when I'm back in London. So I feel like I don't experience the sugar crashes I don't experience the uh the spots that I might normally get if I overconsume my like dairy and stuff and it just goes to show you doesn't it that you know it's not necessarily what you're eating and just if you're just in a much better mindset you're you've almost got a better d- defense towards like sugar and treats and whatnot so even if you do consume them it's almost as if your body utilises it in a completely different way to when you're in a more stressed, colder, greyer environment.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that is... I mean, you're,
0: you're, best... you're eating a big slice of cake right now, aren't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, but right here. They've
0: got, <laughs>
2: they've got a cafe down here with loads of, like, your know, vegan treats um, and everything. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, it does make it out here, obviously, the sun and the, the way of life. I mean, you know, self being self-employed, as you know, is does have its other pressures. You know, you've got that lack of security um and um you know that the the boundaries between work is harder because you feel a lot more constant so there's there's pros and cons you know both sides i understand a lot of people that we work with are you know where this is impossible for them um because maybe they've got kids or they've got a certain job or something they can find ways of you know putting more flexibility or you know bringing more of that free time or more what they enjoy to weekends you know it does really it does really help it
0: does really help Awesome right Laura I tell you what we're going to wrap it up there awesome chatting to you um, Yeah thank no,
2: you so much so no, glad that no, we got
0: to do this I, a and I'm, I'm really impressed that the, uh, the, the the Wi-Fi held up when we're so far away from each other <laughs> yeah. so far yet so near but Laura just in a nutshell before you go um, just yeah. tell our listeners where they can find out more about you uh, you know website social media etc and then in a nutshell, I want you to just briefly mention what the four your four pillar approach is to uh, uh, eating sugar exactly. in a different way, as mentioned on your website.
2: So um, people can head to um, happy sugar um, and obviously you know I've got my social media that are matching that right now. So I'm happy at, at happy sugar habits on uh, Instagram, and I'm at happy sugar because I couldn't fit the S on on Twitter. <laughs> uh, the joys of social media. Um, and um, yeah, Facebook is happy sugar habits, happy sugar habits as well. And uh, yeah, four pillar approach. Number one is, you know, keeping an eye on that fructose. So, you know, strategically reducing your palate down because when you reduce your palate down, social situations, everything becomes a lot easier because you can't eat the massive slab of chocolate cake um, like you used to. It's very empowering. Pillar two is really recognizing that the emotions and the habits, yeah, you need to look at that. You know, you're... it's big, big, strong pillar. If you're, if you're emotionally eating sugar, no matter what else you do, that will come crumbling and get you at some point. Um, pillar three is the social sugar. So, often, you know, we, we live in a society where we are engaging with other people who eat a lot of sugar or expect you to eat a lot of sugar or, you know, you interact with sugar and you don't want to commit social suicide. So, just really understanding and learning to navigate social situations around sugar. And then pillar four is what I call the daily edge, which is really just you know i call it imperfect consistency so you know you're not striving to do something exactly the same every day but you want to be largely consistent you know so if you're trying to develop a habit maybe out of 30 days 25 of them you've got it there and five of the days you let it slip it's fine you know so but, but maintaining that consistency for for a longer period of time rather than just like three weeks on really strict and then one week off completely losing it mm-hmm. so that consistency that daily that do day the edge
1: yeah it's my four pillars <laughs> Look,
0: though, so, is are brilliant
1: that's epic yeah I have um, to say as well I, I loved I went through your blogs last night and I really loved them they were fantastic I particularly like the one just on naked bars because we get asked about those so much and I yeah. have no idea there's nearly 17 grams of sugar in the Christmas naked bar did you know that no you, you need to earn that
0: <laughs> to be fair I'm not, I'm not a huge <laughs> yeah. fan of naked it's bars a, they're
1: just so tiny though it's just like quite incredible that there's that much sugar I know there's nuts in there and stuff I wonder well. if there's
0: some people listening going Naked bars, where are they? Yeah, (laughs) naked bars. I've not been to one of them before.
1: (laughs) I'm going there on Friday, naked bar. (laughs) hope they
0: have the heating on. (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, and so those four pillars are available on your website as a video course, am I correct? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I've done like a little video on each one that explains them.
0: Brilliant. You can watch.
2: People usually find that really
0: helpful. Awesome. Well, listen, Laura, thank you once again. Yeah, thank you uh, Guys, so much. definitely check out our website because there's tons of fantastic information on there. And uh, Laura, it's been a pleasure. and No doubt we'll speak to you yeah, again, yeah. maybe in Bali. Who knows?
1: Yeah, maybe you need to come out here, definitely.
0: We, we don't. We don't need do much of an excuse to get out of London, do we?
1: No. Let's let's have a business meeting. Yeah. Let's organise it. Let's yeah. justify it in some yeah. way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Either the Listen. Enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, we'll we'll speak to you very soon.
2: Yeah. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye. Take care,
0: and see you later, guys. We'll see you in episode number sixty-three.